0: I read an article on the internet entitled, um, This, ISIS Takes Iraq's Largest Christian Town as Residents Told, Leave, Convert or Die. As we hear these stories of persecuted Christians um, there in Iraq and throughout other places in the world, what words of encouragement would you give to them? Or maybe you know someone closer to home who has suffered for being a Christian. I had a friend who lost his job many years ago um, for not taking part in a work Halloween event. He was fired for it. What words of encouragement would you give to him? Or maybe you're going through trials yourself for being a Christian. Well, suffering is nothing new to Christ's followers. It's a daily occurrence and has been since the church started. And that's the situation that we find ourselves in one Peter. Peter's writing to Christians in what is now Turkey, on the edge of the Roman Empire, probably... Gentiles, who are suffering persecution. Peter wants to encourage them to keep going. He wants them to stand firm. We've already um, heard these words from chapter 5. But well, let me read them once again. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast, Then in verse 12, with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a fellow faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Peter wants these believers to stand fast, to stand firm as they face suffering. He wants them to stand firm in the truth. Of the gospel. And it's an encouragement that we all need to hear. It's a message of when things get hard. For being a Christian. Don't compromise. But stand firm. And Peter begins in verse 1 and 2. With a summary of the different themes that he's going to pick up on. And expand on throughout the letter. And the first thing um, that I want us to think about. And the thing that Peter reminds them of is that they're a privileged people. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the province of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours. In abundance. What a great way to open the letter Peter reminds these suffering Christians of who they are. The first thing that he says is that they're God's elect. Remember that you're God's people. As they suffer, Peter reminds them of who they are. He wants them to see the glorious privileges that they have with being God's elect. To God's elect, exiles, the strangers... This takes us all the way back to the Old Testament when God's people were in exile. They were in a foreign land under pressure to conform to the surrounding culture. And if you resisted, then you would face severe suffering. And that's what they were facing. And Peter wants them to know that where they are now is not their home. They are exiles, they're strangers, their true home lies elsewhere. And they're scattered God's people aren't all together, and they may be feeling alone and isolated. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel alone and isolated? Maybe on a Monday morning after spending a wonderful day with God's people in church, you go into the week and feel isolated and alone. We're scattered. God's people are scattered. But Paul reminds them who they are. They're God's people, and God is with them. He goes on to show them three more things. Great words of encouragement to those Christians who are suffering. Verse 2. Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. What a great thing to say to suffering Christians. You were chosen by God. And the word foreknowledge isn't that God predicted a person would be converted, would be saved. But that he chose that person... Before time, it was his plan that that person would be saved. He predetermined each Christian's salvation, it had nothing to do with us. What a great encouragement as we suffer in this world that God chose us through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. How did God work out that choosing? Through the work of the Holy Spirit. It's through His work that we have been set apart. That we've been made holy. And because, pe- because God's people have been set apart by the work of the Spirit, we will never feel at home in this world. It's like when we go on holiday to a foreign country. The furthest foreign country that I've been to is Wales. And you go to that country and they speak a different language and they eat different kinds of food... And you stick out like a sore thumb. (laughs) And at the end of the holiday, you're ready to go home. Well, God's people are strangers in a foreign land. We feel like strangers in this world because that's what we are. We are strangers. And we'll notice it in our conversations with unbelievers, with the things that they do. We don't fit in or we can't join in with those conversations. And it's a great assurance for us because we're not meant to fit in. Because we're strangers in this world. And we live differently. We're set apart so that we can point people to God. And the third thing, who have been chosen according to the Foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood. The point of the work of the Father and the Spirit is to bring people to obedience to Jesus. And being sprinkled with His blood points us to His death, which brings us into a relationship with Him. But it also refers us back to Exodus 24 where Moses confirms the covenant between God and his chosen people. They sacrificed the animal, half of the blood is put on the altar and half is sprinkled on the people as they said that they would be obedient to God. It was a covenant between God and his people and they were brought into it by the sprinkling of blood and it's the same for us. As we are brought into it by the blood of Jesus. So be encouraged that as God's people, we are a privileged people. We are chosen by God, set apart through the blood of, through the work of the Spirit, brought into a relationship with God by the blood of Jesus. And it's not because of anything that we've done, but all because of what God has done. So as we suffer remember who you are remember your identity as God's people and remember what a privileged people we are the second thing in verses 3 through to 9 a privileged people with a sure and certain hope recently um I started some physical training again. Yeah, in recent months, you might be able to work out that. I've let it slip a little bit. Okay. But I'm back on with it now. And it's hard work. Anybody who's started or is enduring exercise it, finds it hard. It's hard work. It's costly. We miss out on certain things. So at the moment... I'm missing out on McDonald's hash browns. I love them, but at the moment, I'm missing out. And as we endure, as I endure this physical exercise and miss out on certain things and realise the cost of it, I want to know that it's worth sticking at it. And I know that it is, because I'll be fitter, I'll be healthier, I'll last longer, and it's good for me. When we endure things like this, we want to know that it's worth it. And that's what Peter reminds God's people of here. As you endure suffering, as you endure persecution as God's people, it's worth it. And he shows them why it's worth it. It's worth it because of the living hope, because of the future inheritance that we have as God's people as we suffer for being Christians, as we stand firm and refuse to compromise, Peter reminds us that it's worth it. And the first thing, it's worth it. It's sure and certain, the hope that we have. Because, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth, Into a living hope. It's sure and certain. And worth it. Because of God's mercy. It wasn't from any effort of our own. But it was all God's. It was because of his mercy. And that makes our assurance certain that. He saved us. It wasn't me. It was him. He has given us. New birth. He has brought us from our old self to new life. We've been born again into a new into a living hope. And there are two kinds of hope that I want to mention quickly. The hope of that comes with anticipation. So this morning in Pathfinder's we were talking with the young people about exams that are coming up and the hope of passing them and getting good results. And that's the kind of hope that recognises the fact that things are not certain. They may get a good result, they may not. Then there's the hope that comes from a guarantee. Because something is certain, it gives hope. So when we're going through the week and we get to Wednesday afternoon, it's been a dreadful week and we're flagging a little bit, we have the certainty that the weekend is a few days away. That is a certainty, that is a guarantee. Our hope is eternal life and it's a certain hope because it comes from God also it's sure and certain because verse 3 it's rooted in the resurrection in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead it's rooted in an historical fact that Jesus rose from the dead because he lives We have a sure and certain hope. It's sure and certain. Because verse 4. It cannot be destroyed. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. So it might seem strange that Peter starts off in verse 3. Praise be to God. All you Christians who are suffering. But. You can praise God because of the sure and certain hope that you have that cannot be destroyed. This living hope, this inheritance is more certain than anything else in this world. Everything in this world perishes, spoils and fades. Nothing lasts. I remember when I lived at home, my mum was always saying, nothing ever lasts in this house. And it's true. Everything in this world perishes, spoils or fades. The cars we buy, the food we eat, the clothes we wear, everything disappears. But not our eternal inheritance. We can have a sure and certain hope because, verse 5, it is kept. Notice the two kepts in verse 5 who through faith are shielded... Oh, sorry, verse 4. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded, or kept, by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. This great inheritance that we, have, that we look forward to is kept in heaven for us, safe and secure and certain. But then we ask the question, what good is it knowing that that's safe and secure and certain... If we have no confidence ourselves that we will ever get there. Well that's when these great words in verse 5 are so encouraging for us. Who through faith are shielded by God's power. The same power that created the universe. That sustains it and keeps it going. Keeps us shielded until the very end. There's no attack that can get past this shield That's why we can be certain of our future as God's people. And as we look at this sure and certain hope that we have, there's only one response that we could give. Verse 6. In all this, you greatly rejoice. There's no other way that we can respond but praise God. God for this great inheritance that we have that is sure and certain. Peter knows that the present reality is hard and painful. And he knows that we haven't received this great inheritance yet. So what encouragement does he give for that? Well, the second part of verse 6. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth and gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. We will face trials as God's people, but Peter encourages us by saying, first of all, That they're only for a little while. He wants us to have an eternal perspective. On our sufferings. And trials. Not to make less of them. Than they are. But to remember. That our sufferings are short. And eternity. Is forever. He wants us to have. That eternal view. And when we have that. We shouldn't despair because we know our suffering will soon pass and our ultimate hope is safe and it's for eternity it also refines our faith these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus is revealed Peter says that good comes out of suffering, out of these trials that you face. They strengthen our faith so that it can be seen to be the genuine article. Just as precious metals go through fire and are refined, cleared of all its impurities, we go through trials for the same reason. Coming out at the end strengthened in our faith. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And as we go through these trials, what's the result? Well, we have a greater love for our Saviour, Jesus Christ. There's an inexpressible joy that fills our hearts as we go through these trials, as we trust in God and come out the other end, our response will be praise. We'll be filled with an inexpressible joy. These verses are an amazing amazing encouragement to us. This life is hard. And as we live as God's chosen exiled people, we can be sure and certain of what waits us in the future. We have a certain hope and as we ponder these things, it'll keep us on the right track. It's a sure and certain hope of heaven. And as we ponder these things, as we um, think through these verses, we'll be left with nothing else but praising our God. So we're a privileged people. We're a privileged people with a sure and certain hope. And finally, in verse 10 to 12, we're in a privileged position. Um, Years ago, when I was in Chorley, I'd often go to the football to Blackburn Rovers with the chaplain, because he was the vicar in Chorley. And it was amazing. You'd go and you'd sit in the director's box and then at half time you'd go into the, um, the lounge and eat these little pies that were, were unbelievable. you you wonder how they were made. But as you were there and as you were sitting in the director's box, you were in a privileged position. Privileged position to watch the game and a privileged position to be able to go through these secret doors that people weren't usually allowed to go in. To enjoy, these, to enjoy these wonderful pies. <laughs> Honestly, they were amazing, but let's not get distracted. And in these final verses, Peter wants to show us the privileged position that we're in now as God's people this side of the cross. Although trials and suffering, Are there to strengthen our faith? There'll be times where we still feel discouraged. Well, Peter wants us to see the amazing position that we're in concerning this salvation, the salvation that he's just talked about in those verses in verse 9, the certain and sure hope of heaven. The prophets who speak of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. The prophets wrote about this, but they didn't fully understand the time and how the Messiah would suffer. They didn't fully understand how it all Would work out how God's plan would work out. But then we read in verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. The contrast is, Christians now do understand these things. You may have noticed the use in that verse. As it was being read, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even the angels long to look into these things. Through the work of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, we can understand the full plan of God. Understand what the Old Testament prophets were speaking about. We can understand God's salvation plan. He wants his readers to know that even though they are on the edge of the Roman Empire scattered all over the place as God's people, they're to focus they're the focus of attention in god 's plan. We as Christians on this side of the cross receive the blessings that the prophets look forward to, and it's no wonder that the angels Look into, long to look into these things. They see how God's plan has worked itself out, and we see the, the full working of that. And the angels long to be part of that, but there's no need for them to be part of that. They don't need saving. Peter wants them to realize the privileged position that they stand in as God's people. It's an incredibly privileged position. Even compared with the prophets and angels. So remember that we're in a privileged position. We have God's word. We have the full view of his plan. We have the resources we need to keep going. We have this book written for us by God. About our salvation through his son Jesus. So whatever situation we find ourselves in. Whether we're feeling discouraged. Whether we're feeling insignificant. Whether we're feeling marginalised. Remember the immensely privileged position that we stand in. And we have this book. So read it. Ponder it. And apply it. So it's a great way to start this letter. Peter is encouraging these suffering Christians. He wants them to remember that who they are, the privileged people that they are. That they've been chosen by God, that they've been set apart. And that they're in this covenant relationship through the blood of Jesus. And he's encouraging them to remember the privileged people that they are with a sure and certain hope a sure and certain hope of an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. And remember the privileged position that they are in. So as we go from here, as we suffer as God's people, remember these great words of encouragement here. And as we do it, let us be filled with... An inexpressible joy praising our Heavenly Father. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these great words of encouragement. We thank you for the sure and certain hope that we have as your people because of the work you did in rescuing us. As we go from here, help us to be people who stand firm on your word. Help us to be people who are strengthened as we go through these trials. And Father, help us to be people who are filled with an inexpressible joy for what you've done and what you've promised your people. In Jesus' name, Amen.